The following audio is from First Baptist Church of Conyers. More information about First Baptist Conyers is available at firstconyers.com. Good morning. We're going to ad lib for, for a minute here. You can turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. We'll get there and hear us here in a second. I do want to tell you guys thank you so much. Always transitioning to a new church can oftentimes be different and difficult, but uh, you guys have really made this transition such a blessing, uh, and uh, I am grateful. I thank you for making me welcome, making my family welcome, and uh, we're just eternally grateful for you as a church. And so we're just so, so thankful for being here, uh, and uh, we look forward to what the Lord has for us uh, moving forward. And so I just wanted to say thank you. Pastor Jamo gave me the option of uh, what I wanted to preach on this morning. Uh, he said I could either pick up in Genesis or do something different. Uh, I told him I was going to, as tempting as it was, I wanted to do something a little different this morning. Uh, we, as the youth, one of the things I like to do uh, when I come up and preach is go over for the church what us as the youth are doing. Uh, and so the youth and I, over the next few months, are going to be looking at the book of 1 Peter. Uh, and so I wanted to do a message uh, just kind of looking at some of the themes that we see in the book of 1 Peter. Uh, Peter, if you've never read it, is just such an interesting book. Uh, Peter himself is just an interesting individual himself. Uh, and so it's just so much for us to glean and so much for us to look at. Uh, and so I want you guys to kind of be aware of where we're going uh, as a student ministry. And so, uh, you know, when we, when we take a look at the book of 1 Peter, uh, some of the things that we see, uh, we see a high value of who God is. You know, we see God's holiness. We see God's righteousness. Uh, we see suffering and we see struggle. Uh, but also, Peter wants us to see hope. Uh, and so I want you guys to be praying for our student ministries. I know you guys are, uh, but I, I covet you guys to continue to pray for them and pray more and more because, you know, COVID's been a difficult time. Uh, you know, and, and it's, it's hard nowadays being a teen anyway, uh, and then you throw in all these other things that go on in our world. And so uh, we really ask that you guys be praying for our students, uh, be praying for our children, uh, because they really need our prayers. Uh, they, they really need God's intervention in their lives. And so as we go through this, ser this series in First Peter, uh, we've entitled it Set Apart. Uh, we want them to understand who they are, what their identity is in Jesus Christ. We want them to understand what it means to be chosen. Uh, we want, to, want them to understand what it means to be a child of God. Uh, and so my prayer is, as we go through this study in 1 Peter, that uh, Jesus will touch our students, uh, that Jesus will make himself known to them, uh, that they'll have a desire to put their faith and trust in him. Uh, that they'll understand what that means to be a child of God. Uh, no matter what the ups and downs might be, no matter what the difficulties in life may bring, that they will trust in Jesus, that they will be obedient to Jesus, and that they will follow after him. Uh, and so I'm looking forward to sharing this wonderful letter uh, with the students, uh, and I invite you to pray for us as we uh, seek to share the gospel to the students, that we uh, will we'll, we'll help them to see who Jesus is, that we will strengthen their faith, uh, and that they will come closer and closer to Jesus. Uh, and so as we transition to the morning, this morning's message, uh, looking at 1 Peter chapter 10, uh, we want you to understand how great and wonderful our God is. One of the things that has been uh, so striking for me is the lackadaisical attitude 
that many of us as Christians take when it, when it comes to God. I don't know if you guys have seen this, but oftentimes uh, we could just think of God as just this flippant thing that doesn't really matter. You know, I can come to church on Sunday, uh, and then I can live the rest of the life, the rest of my life, Monday through Saturday, any way that I want to. Uh, and so this morning, we want to look at the importance of righteousness. It's important that we see uh, and that we understand the value that God places on his righteousness. Uh, God doesn't give his light righteousness to us lightly, uh, but God wants us to understand how important his righteousness is. When we talk about righteousness, uh, we're talking about God's right standard. You know, we need to understand what God's standard is, and the only way that we can understand what God's standard is is by knowing his word. You know, and so it's very important for us, if we want to be righteous, uh, if we want to be holy, uh, if we want God to be a part of our lives, then we need to understand what God's word has to say about how we should live our lives. God has given us his righteous standard in his word, and he expects us to follow after it. So I want to take some time this morning uh, just to look at, we're going to, we're going to start off in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, uh, but we want to take some time to see that standard that God has given us and how we need to have this faith in God uh, because over time the reality is is that as we live the Christian life, some of you guys remember what it, what it felt like to be a young Christian. Some of you guys are young Christians. And you guys can imagine just being so on fire for God. You can just imagine just going, you want to tell everybody about Jesus. You know, you want to tell people about, you know, people at school. And you want to tell people in your neighborhoods. Uh, and, and, and we just go so crazy about uh, this, this gospel that we heard and this, this transformation that's happened in our lives. But as we get a little older in the faith, that fire starts to die down. You know, it doesn't mean as much anymore. You know, it, 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 you know, we don't, you know, we, we get caught up in the minutia of life uh, and, and, and the things of this world starts to creep in. We have to be on guard when the responsibilities and pressures of this world start to creep in and vine for our attention. The things of God, God start to be less and less important to us. Uh, we start to lose interest in the things of life and begin to focus on the things that are passing away. And so that's why it's important for us as Christians, that's why it's important for us as a church that we need to stoke the fires of righteousness in each and every one of our lives. Let us not just become these Christians that are just so apathetic to the faith. Oh, it just doesn't matter. I go into church on Sunday, I check that box, and I can live my life how I want to live my life. We want to be able to stoke that fire of righteousness on a continual basis so that we have the assurance that we are truly in Christ. May it not be said of us that we stood before the Lord and he says, go away from me for I never knew you. This is why each and every one of us needs to understand the importance of God's righteousness. That's because if God calls us home, and we stand before a holy and righteous God. We want to be able to stand there victorious. And so to this end, I have three brief points that I want to look at this morning. Let's read 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Uh, and then we want to look at pursue righteousness. 
We want to look at protect righteousness, and we want to look at persevering in righteousness. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 1 through 10 says, For I want you to know, brothers, that our fathers were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea, and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea, and all ate the same spiritual food, and all drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them, and the rock was Christ. Nevertheless, with most of them, God was not pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now these things took place as an example for us, that we might not desire evil as they did. Do not be idolaters as some of them were, as is written, the people sat down to eat and drink, or sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. We must not indulge in sexual immorality as some of them did, and 23,000 fell in a single day. We must not put Christ to the test as some of them did and were destroyed by the serpents, nor grumble as some of them did and were destroyed by the destroyer. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we are just so grateful for the rock. We're just so grateful for Jesus Christ. And we ask that as we go through this message this morning, that we see how immovable Jesus is, that we see how important it is uh, to understand your righteousness, to understand what it means to be holy, uh, and just to see the expectations that you give us in your word about how we are to live our lives. We're just grateful for uh, this church and just, uh, just the examples that they are to one another. And we just ask that uh, you just push us to go even further, dear Lord. Uh, that uh, we go even more and more uh, in your righteousness, even more and more of what it means to be holy so that we can be used by you. We're just thankful in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, and so pursue righteousness. Pursue righteousness. When we talk about pursuing righteousness, I want to look at two different avenues here. The first avenue is our individual responsibility to pursue salvation. Uh, salvation, as you know, is a work of God in our lives whereby Christ's blood washes us away, washes away our sin, and God pronounces us righteous. Uh, as you guys remember, our, uh, we have this sin debt. Uh, because of the sin of Adam and Eve, we have this chasm that separates us between God and man. Uh, and so because of that sin, uh, we needed a Savior. We needed Jesus Christ. And so for those of us that put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, uh, God pronounces us righteous. Uh, God pronounces us right. He gives us a right standing uh, in, in the place of that sinful standing that we had uh, because of Adam and Eve. However, there's an individual responsibility that we all have to pursue righteousness. Way too many of us hear the gospel week in and week out. However, we have not decided to follow Jesus. Let me be clear. Our parents' faith cannot save us. Let me tell you, if you walk down the aisle with your friends, that doesn't save us. Let me tell you, there's an individual responsibility that all of us have to put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Nobody can do that for us. Salvation doesn't happen by accident, but it's an intentional act by both us and God. Too many churches avoid talking about sin. However, it's foundational for us to hear the gospel message. Let me tell you, you know, as Christians, and I, I, I always get, it, it stresses me out so much when people say, I don't need the gospel. 
You know, I, I was saved when I was nine years old. I don't need the gospel anymore. May we not tire of the gospel. You know, if we really want to persevere in the faith, we're going to look at that here soon. If we really want to be the Christians that God has called us to be, then we need the gospel every single day. The gospel shouldn't be one of those baby things that we do when we're young, but the gospel should be an instrumental part of our everyday walk. We need to talk to one another about the dangers of sin. And we need to talk to our children about the dangers of sin. Uh, Paul in Romans chapter 3, verses 23, tells us that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23 reminds us, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Let me tell you, it's appointed once unto men to die. All of us are going to die eventually. And we're going to go to one of two places. Either we are going to spend eternity in heaven with God, or we're going to spend eternity in hell separated from God. There's no wiggle room to that. You know, there's no middle place. There's no, we just phase out and we just disappear. One of those two places we're going to go to. And this is why it is so important because tomorrow is not promised to us. It's just not. We need to make the decision of whether we're going to put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ right now. God does not want any of us to perish. This is why he gave us his only begotten son, that we might not perish, that we might have eternal life. Jesus Christ, he, he took on our sin debt. He became sin. Even though Jesus knew no sin, he became sin for us. He had never shook my hand. He had never given me a hug. But he, he died on that cross for my sin. That's how much of a vested interest God has in our lives. That's how much God wants us to be righteous. That's how much God wants us to be holy that he gave his son to die on that rugged cross for you and I. Acts 16, 31, it encourages us that if we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, we will be saved. There's this existence of sin, but there's also that reality of Jesus Christ. This sin is a dangerous thing, but we have this glorious person in the form of Jesus Christ who lovingly gave himself for us. So I just don't understand why would we not choose to follow after him? I don't want us just to believe in Jesus Christ because the Bible tells us even Satan and his demons believe. We have to believe, we have to understand, we have to trust that Jesus Christ can wash away our sins. We need to put our faith and trust in him, that he is our Savior, that he is our Lord. And because of him, we will not experience death, but we will experience life through all eternity. But we, it starts with our belief. It starts with our trusting him. It starts with our obedience. And God will take care of the rest. 
The second aspect I want to talk about when we talk about pursuing righteousness that I want to cover briefly is our individual responsibility to share the gospel. If we are in Christ, the Bible tells us that we need to share the gospel to others. There are so many unbelievers in this world. A lot of people say, I live in America, and I don't know any unbelievers. Your eyes are blind because they're everywhere. Now, there's so many people in this world who do not know Jesus Christ. And as Christians, we have a responsibility to go and tell them about Jesus. Uh, but too many of us, we come up with excuses. Either I don't know anybody who needs to know Christ, or I just want to hold on to this gospel that God has given me. I just want to hold on to it, and I don't want to give it away. We don't, why, why would we want to hold on to something that has completely transformed our lives? Man, we should be so excited like we were when we were baby Christians, and we want to go out and tell people about it. You know, we want to tell, about, we want to tell people about this Jesus that saved us from alcoholism. You know, we want to tell people about this Jesus that saved us from idolatry. You know, we want to tell people about this Jesus that saved me from beating my wife. And we want to tell people about Jesus because he has transformed our lives. God has told us in his great commission in Matthew 28 that we need to go to all the nations and tell them about Jesus. We're going to make disciples. But you know, when we tell you a secret, I'm only going to tell you guys. I'm not going to tell anybody else. If you guys want to go make disciples of the nations, if you want to tell the nations about Jesus Christ, you don't have to go far. We can look around just in this room and see the nations. There's probably people right here who need to know Jesus Christ. You can look at your neighborhoods. You can probably drive down your street and see the nations. You know, there's people right in your neighborhoods who do not know Jesus that are right now dying because they don't know the Lord. Think about your schools. Think about your workplaces. There are people right there that need the gospel. There's right, people right there who need Jesus Christ. But we need to be obedient and go tell them about Jesus Christ. It is incumbent for us to stop being disobedient to God and give people the gospel because they need it. Just like we needed it, they need the gospel. We need to protect righteousness. Uh, or we, need to, we, we, need, we need to make sure that we, uh, secondly, we need to protect our righteousness. Uh, one of the things that amazes me is the great lengths that we go to protect our stuff. I used to be able to go on missions trips and things like that when I was younger, and uh, I didn't really appreciate money until I saw how other people around the world lived. I went to South America one year, and, uh, you know, they, they had all these kids running around, and they wanted to take our luggage, and uh, somebody was just like, don't, don't give them any money because, you know, if you give them $5, that is as much money as that family would make in a year. And that just, that just struck me because I throw away $5 on a, on, a, on a cheeseburger. But that $5 American would be so much that that would, that would help their family survive for a whole year. Uh, it, it just amazes me uh, the, the, the lack of knowledge that we have about money and finances. You know, but we'll put so much money in protecting our, our possessions, our homes, uh, we, our money's insured. You know, we, we've got all these things that we do to protect our stuff, but when it talks about the things of God, we won't even lift a finger to protect our holiness and our righteousness. We just won't do it. 
Eternal security doesn't matter to us nowadays. And I get it. God is the one that seals us. God is the one who protects us. However, the Bible makes clear that there is this individual responsibility. We have this personal responsibility that we are supposed to be keeping the faith. Too many of us are falling away from the faith every day because we don't take serious the need to protect righteousness. The Apostle Paul, he says this in Philippians chapter 2.12. He warns us here. He says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Paul's words here should give us pause because daily we should be taking an assessment of our life to ensure we are truly the children of God that we proclaim that we are. It should be one of those things I heard another pastor he was talking about before he even, when he wakes up in the morning, before he puts his feet on the floor, he wants to take a self-assessment of whether or not he's truly in the faith. And it's one of those things we have to make a commitment to. We have so many things that, that go into our mind that, that the things of God begin to weed away, but uh, we want to make sure, are we truly children of God? You know, Paul here is addressing here is a matter of obedience in the Christian life. Because if we are not being obedient to God, then people will start questioning, people should start questioning whether or not we are truly in the faith. I want you to question me. If you see me living in sin, if you see me living in a manner that I should not be living, you need to get, help me get that right. Let me tell you, it doesn't matter whether we are young or old. People are taking notice of our obedience to God, and they should. I remember when I was in, uh, it's probably nine, ten years ago, we were in McDonald's. I just got done preaching uh, at a church in Orlando, and uh, we had, I'd taken my kids to McDonald's. Uh, my wife was at a conference somewhere, and uh, we were sitting there eating, and uh, this older couple, they came up to me, and they were like, one of two things is going on. Either you run a daycare or you're a Christian. <laughs> Got way too many kids in the household, and so people always confuse the daycare thing. Uh, and so, especially when they see the big vehicle we're driving. And so, uh, but they're like, they like, just looking at you guys, I'm going to say that you're a Christian. You know, and it just amazes me because, I mean, we're, we're just sitting there having a meal to think about people are actually watching us eat. You know, but they were just astonished by how obedient the kids were. They, they weren't fighting. They weren't running around McDonald's. They were just like, something's different about these people. Let me tell you, church, people are taking notice. You know, people are watching. You know, and as the church, we have a responsibility to watch. You know, because as the church, we want to be able to see when people are falling away. You know, there's people probably right here, right now, that are struggling, and people don't even know it. Yes, because when we come to church, we say, hey, how you doing? And we give the ch church answer, I, I mean, we just don't, we don't, we don't, we don't, we don't want to be truthful. We don't want to be honest. And that's why we have to be a part of each other's lives, because, you know, we're always going to get that church answer that I'm doing good. I'm doing great. Thank you for asking. You know, but it takes one of us to come along one another and say, no, really, how are you doing? Now, what are you struggling with right now? What are you reading? And what are you watching on TV? What music are you listening to? 
You know, we need to have those conversations as Christians. You know, we should, be, we, we should want people to hold us accountable uh, and, and be watching one another. I'm sure you've heard this analogy, but a sick tree doesn't bear good fruit. And so if you see another brother and they're not bearing fruit that looks like a Christian, then there's obviously something wrong. We need to take notice as a church. But not only is the church watching us, but guess what? The world is watching us also. The world is looking at us because some of us, we're telling people, I'm a Christian. You know, we're telling people that, yeah, I believe in Jesus Christ and you should too. But when they look at my life, when they look at our lives, they're like, why do I want to get in that? They look just like me. They act just like I do. They go to club every night just like I do. The world is paying attention. The world is looking at our witness. They're looking at the way that we live our lives. Uh, and so the wor- there's one of two things that are going on when the world starts to look at our lives. Either the world is going to see us and not know that we're Christians because of the lack of the fruit in our lives, or the world is going to take notice and begin to wonder, man, there's something different about this individual. I can't put my finger on it, but something's different about this guy or girl. Our witness among the unsaved world is really our best evangelistic tool because it is often gives us an opportunity to witness to others about Jesus Christ. I love people when they say, man, why do you smile all the time? Why, why are you always so happy? Man, because I'm so blessed. It gives me an opportunity to tell them about Jesus Christ. Man, Jesus has done this, that, and the other. I can't do nothing but be happy. I can't do nothing but smile because Jesus has been so good to me. Then other people, they're going to see, and they're like, man, you're not living any different than me. What are you talking to me about Jesus Christ? And they're obviously going to have no interest in in the God of the Bible. One commentator says this. He says, one does not live out the gospel casually or lightly but as one who knows what it means to stand in the awe of the living God. Do you understand the God that you serve? Does God just force you to get down on your knees and worship him? Or is he just a plaything? A genie, I can give out wishes and ask God, I want you to do this, this, and that. We need to see God for who he really is. We need to see God for the, for, for the holy God that he is. We need to see God for the righteous God that he is. God cares for the way that you and I live our lives. God has given us his righteous standard. He says, this is the way that I expect you to live. God cares about that. Because it's a matter of obedience. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, it, it just it talks about how disobedient the Israelites were to God. And we don't have time to go into it a great deal, but uh, you guys can remember 
the sinfulness that permeated the Israelites, the reason why they were trapped out in the wilderness for so long, uh, why so many of them had died because of their sinfulness. They had all received the same blessing. They had all received the same grace. But God was displeased with them because of their sinfulness. Are we protecting our righteousness this morning? Do we understand the God that we say that we entered into? Let me tell you, we need to do whatever needs to be done to protect ourselves in this lost and dying world. We need to protect ourselves on social media. We need to protect ourselves when we're traveling. We need to protect ourselves when we're with our friends. We need to protect ourselves when we're at our jobs. Uh, we need to be on guard. I want to talk a lot about this, but I mean, a lot of you have seen what's going on with Ravi Zacharias. And a lot of us say, man, that, 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 that could never be me. But I'm sure he said the same thing. We have to be on guard. We have to protect ourselves. Uh, we have to put things in place to making sure that we are truly Christians, that we are truly following after God the way that God wants us to follow after God. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, it says this, Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. You know, Peter's talking to Christians. He's talking to us as the church, and he's, he wants us to be on guard, you know, because the devil's whole goal is to trip us up. The devil's whole goal is to make us fail. And I don't want to give the devil too much credit because a lot of the times it's just us. A lot of times it's our mistakes. But we still need to be on guard if we dabble in sin, we are easy targets for the adversary. In the presence of a holy and righteous God, may we stand blameless before him in assurance of our salvation. We need to protect our righteousness. And lastly, we need to persevere in righteousness. We need to persevere in righteousness. We're going to run real quick through this because I'm running out of time. Uh, the goal for us as Christians is to persevere in righteousness. This is difficult for us on this on-demand type of lifestyle that we live. You know, we want it our way, right away. Even righteousness, we, we want it right now. Gimme, 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 gimme. But for the Christian, righteousness takes perseverance. You know, oftentimes we say, I got it. And then we can live our lives however we want to live our lives. But as John reminds us, they left us because they weren't of us. We need to be careful. And don't get me wrong, I'm not trying to say that we're not going to sin. We're all going to struggle with sin on this side of eternity. However, what we're looking at is, are our lives marked with sin? Is there a particular sin that people can point to that is characteristic of your life? Because if so, we need to put that to death. We need to get it right. We need to ask for forgiveness. Uh, and uh, we need to ask God to put that to death in our lives. This is a verse that you guys have probably heard over and over again. But 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 through 10, it says, Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit 
the kingdom of God. Do not be deceived, neither the sexual or moral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexually, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. The Apostle Paul here gives us this lengthy list and says that if your life is marked by this, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. Persevering in righteousness means that on an ongoing daily basis, we're going to make sure that we are truly in Christ. Uh, we, don't, we have to get this mentality of our mind that this is a sprint, that we can get it over as quickly as we want to. No, this is a long-distance mega marathon that we're racing here. And it won't be over until God calls us home. So we need to strive for righteousness in our lives until Jesus Christ looks at us and says it's finished. Matthew chapter 5, verse 6, it says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Man, we need to hunger and thirst for righteousness. That needs to be our desire. I know there's some of those things, I know some of us are getting hungry here and we're ready to, uh, we're ready to be done here because we, we, we got our favorite cuisines that are waiting for us at home. Uh, but just like we have this huge menu that we hunger and thirst for, uh, we also need to make sure that we're more so hungering and thirsting for righteousness. Let me tell you, church, if you desire God's righteousness instead of resorting to creating righteousness of your own, God will graciously provide it to you. If you ask God for righteousness, God is going to give it to you. That's why I love this word satisfied, uh, because this word satisfied, it means filled up. It means overflowing. God is going to give us so much righteousness, we're not going to know what to do with it. You know, we're going to be so hungry and thirsty for righteousness that God is going to give us so much, we're just going to be stuffed with God's goodness and God's grace in our lives. The grace that God has for us will be completely and totally filling. We will no longer hunger and thirst for the things of the world because when we pursue the things of God, he will respond by satisfying us. I pray we want to be satisfied this morning by God because let me tell you, the things of this world, they're never going to satisfy you. They're never going to do it. You know, they can be tempting. You know, they can be addicting. But guess what? You're never going to get enough. You know, God is the only thing that can make us full and content and comfortable. As we close, my prayer is that we humbly stand on the rock of Jesus Christ. He is our salvation. The beautiful thing about Jesus Christ is that God has not left us to be on our own, but he has given us the Holy Spirit. He has given us the helper. Uh, and that helper is the one who will help us in our righteousness. He is the one that will help us persevere. He's the one that is going to help us withstand the trials and the struggles that are sure to come. I know a lot of people say, man, I've never experienced any trials. I've never experienced suffering. That's because you're not being obedient to God. When you're obedient to God, when you follow after God's will, guess what? Suffering will come. 
And at that time, we're going to need God in our lives because we cannot live this life independent of him. We just can't. We're never going to be successful apart from Jesus Christ. So we need to put our faith and trust on the rock. Every other foundation is just shifting sand. The only thing that will stand, the only thing that will stand the test of time is Jesus Christ our Lord. So as we close and as we pray, Zach will come and uh, close us out with a, uh, with a song, but I do want to just give a brief invocation. Uh, maybe there's someone here that does not know Jesus. Maybe there's someone here that has never put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Please don't leave here without talking to somebody. There are brothers and sisters here that want to tell you about Jesus. There are brothers and sisters here that want to tell you about the joy of Jesus Christ. They, they want to tell you about the hope that we can find only in God. Maybe you're here and you just haven't been living your life the way that God expects for you to live your life. Don't leave here without getting that right. People in your life may not forgive you, but the Bible says that God will forgive you. All you have to do is ask for it. Do not leave here this morning without getting right with the Lord. And maybe you just want to pray. Please just come up here and ask for us to pray for you. It doesn't matter what it is. Let us pray for you. Thank you for listening to audio from First Baptist Church of Conyers, located in Conyers, Georgia. For more information about First Baptist Conyers, please visit us online at firstconyers.com.